May the 4th, we are back again. This is our which day? Seventh day? Ninth session. Oh, ninth session of question and answer. So we are here with uh, the Q&A session. And for your information, the question in the Bible does not begin with man or God. The first question is from the devil. That you find it in Genesis 3. And the next question is not again from man. It is from God. And then only man starts asking questions. So there are Q&A throughout the Bible. <laughs> right from Genesis 3, the Q&A begins. And you read the Gospel according to John. There are so many questions Jesus asks. So it's good to ask questions because then it shows you are searching for answers to life. So this evening we welcome you and ask we look to the Lord in prayer. We ask for wisdom, for discernment in our answers and also each one of you, we pray, will receive the discernment from the Holy Spirit, how to apply. We give you broad solutions, but you have to also apply it as the Spirit of God leads you into your particular personal situations. For that, we pray for us and for you too. So this evening, even before we begin, Pastor Vijay, could you lead us in prayer? Father, we just thank you. Father, once again, we just want to lift your name on high. Father, even as we now, Father, go through all the questions that your people have from different parts of the world. Father, real, hard, tough life questions, Lord. You know what they're going through, and your word says, O oh Lord, that you are touched by the feelings of our infirmities, that you are tested in every area, and therefore you're a high priest who knows what every one of your children is going through, and therefore you have all the answers, O oh Lord. None of us, O oh Lord, have any of these answers completely. You are able to do it, O oh Lord. And therefore, even as we discuss all these questions, I pray, Lord Jesus, Lord, the Spirit of the Lord will give us wisdom. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would, uh, the anointing would rest over all of us, even as we discuss and all those who hear. And I pray, Father, that you will be able to make every answer relevant to every person's situation, O oh Lord. Uh, one question, so many others might be going through the same situation. I pray, Lord, Lord, you will multiply even this, these answers and Lord, the Holy Spirit will be able to touch every one of them who's going through Father situations, O oh Lord, Father. Keep us this evening, O Lord, from the evil one. And Father, come at this time into your hands. Let your anointing rest over this place. And all those who are here, who are, who are tuned in, O Lord Jesus, thank you, Father. We worship you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Let your name and your name alone be lifted up. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, here we are. Pastor yeah. Vijay. So, uh, again, uh, uh, questions related to life. Um, we'll be tackling them first. Um, so we'll be starting with, um, a simple question, question number four, the simpler of all the other questions. It says, dear pastor, I have a question which could be helpful for the body of Christ. What if the believer hides the love of Jesus Christ to themselves or doesn't share the love of Christ to others? How adversely does it affect or uh, does it have any consequences to the individual or the body of Christ? Yes, it definitely has. There are two images Jesus uses in terms of salvation. 
one he uses with the woman of Samaria. He says, if you drink, it shall be wells of salvation, springs of salvation welling up within you. The other he uses before the feast, he says, all who are thirsty, come, come to me and drink, and out of you shall flow rivers of living water. And we all know that, like, uh, if you leave a bucket of water and we go away for a couple of weeks, come back, we know the water has got a film on the top. First thing we do is we empty that water because, you know, it's gone stale. Mm. And that's what happens to a believer who hides basically the love of Christ or the testimony of Christ. You become stale. We were never supposed to hide anything because Jesus said, we are the light of, of the, the world. world. Yes. And if we hide it, we are useless. And also, there are consequences. Remember, uh, the you have to put it all in terms of what Jesus says about the master who called his stewards and gave them all talents and what he tells about the steward who hid his talent. He said, you wicked and lazy. But if you look at that, he didn't waste anything God gave him. Hmm. He didn't waste anything. He didn't spend it on, like, let's say, with the prodigal son. He didn't spend it on prostitutes. He didn't spend it on alcohol. He didn't go on a shopping binge. He didn't do anything. He just hid it. He just hid it. But God's response was completely different. He says, you wicked and you lazy servant. That's what he called him. And he says, bind him and throw him into outer darkness. So, you cannot... You cannot. One of the primary evidences of a genuine salvation is you actually witness in different ways. You witness. It is visible because that life cannot be hidden. Mm. The life of Christ cannot be hidden. It is seen. And you see that when Jesus walked on earth, they all saw. And then after he rose again and the Holy Spirit came in, everybody saw the disciples' life. And the life of Christ cannot be hidden and should not be hidden. It will have consequences to the person and also to the body of Christ. Body of Christ, you are you are depriving the body of Christ that was given to you to be given to them. Hmm. You are depriving. You know, you are, you are occupying space. You are not using what God has given you for the body of Christ. You are depriving the body of Christ with something that was meant to be used. Because every gift is to be used. And the very grace of God is to be used. And in the kingdom of God, what people do not realize, there is something incredibly different about the kingdom of God from the kingdom of this world, is that anything that God has given you, the more you use, it increases. Mm. It does mm. not decrease. Amen. In the world, it is different. It decreases. If I have 100 rupees, I spend 50, I have only 50 more. Okay, that's the way it is. I have one kilo of rice. I cook 500 grams. I have only 500 grams left. But it does not work that way in the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is that the more you use it, it the supply increases. And throughout the Bible, you will see that is the, the principle God tries to put across. Because we are always caught with the mindset of the world that if I give away, if I use... I will have less. So that fear cripples God's people from being useful vessels in God's hands. That's not. That's what Elijah tells the woman at Zarephath. No, you make it and give it to him. me. And I tell you till the famine is over, your bin will not go empty. Your 
oil jar will not go empty. And you see continuously when the Andrew brings that little boy's tiffin to Jesus, Jesus says, give it to me. If you look with your eyes, it's only for a boy to eat, not even for a man to eat. Mm-hmm. But once it is given to God, you will see it multiplies. And that's when the book of Acts, Paul quotes Jesus. It's not there in the gospel, so probably he heard it himself. Yes. And the Lord revealed him himself to him. It's more blessed to give give than to receive. receive. So this question, (coughs) it's not just the love of Christ. It's the love of Christ that causes us to do everything, but anything that of God has to be spent. And you will receive more and more and more. More. Yes. Related to that, I believe uh, question number A in question number 7, a parable of the unjust word. Why would the word of God sanction being unjust? Okay, and for those of you, can you pull up the reference? Uh, Luke, the, 16. Luke, Luke 16. Luke 16. One, yeah, two, my ready reckoner is here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Luke 16. Okay, so that you understand, because it's a very, very confusing, uh, what you call it, parable, and always people have confusion about it. He also said to his disciple, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. Mm. In other words, stealing. Mm. So he called him and said, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be my steward. Mm. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. Must be an older man. Mm. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. He called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said, take your bill and sit down quickly, write 50. Mm. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said, take your bill, write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dwelt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in this generation than the sons of light. And that's where people all have issues. So how can it be? He was actually cheating his boss. Right? He was being worried. But he says, he's not talking about the kingdom of all the disciples or the children of God. He says, you know, the people of this world are very, very wise. And then he gives the answer in verse 9. What is he implying? I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon. Mm. And when you fail, you may receive into an everlasting home. He says, look, what did he do? His master, this, he calls one of them. How much? 100. Okay, take a bill, make it 50. So that when I'm out of a job, you will remember, I did favor to you. Mm. Right? I did favor to you. So he says, they're very, very smart, the people. Are. And God says, I have given you money, unrighteous mammon. You are not smart. You do not use money in this age to store up favor for you in heaven. Amen. He says, they are very good in using resources. They buy favor in this life. He says, you can use what God has given you to buy favor or store up receive that you may receive into an everlasting home. He's not saying to cheat or to bribe or anything. But he says, why are you storing up mammon? Why are you storing up goods? He says, you should use what I give you faithfully. Yes. He's not talking about unrighteousness or anything. He says, like they are very smart for this life, you should be very smart for the coming life. Mm. And you can store up riches where there are no moths 
no rust no thieves break in and steal okay because everything we are getting we are sending it up awesome. okay <laughs> we are sending it up so awesome all right so pastor uh, a little tougher question ready to move into the tougher, tougher one ones. when we get into tougher questions pastor vijay has palpitations <laughs> so we'll pray for healing <laughs> so uh, i think the simpler of the tougher ones no uh, this it's the first question uh suffering sickness could that be because of sin all the time if your father dies of cancer does it mean as a christian you could die of cancer too is that iniquity depends okay this is where we say you have to go to god and as we hear the word of god see it's like in the medical field you go with your symptoms the actual doctor doesn't give you a diagnosis he looks at your symptoms and he has a rough idea but because human life is so important he will send you for a whole set of tests <coughs> so that when he gives the diagnosis he is at least almost 100% sure this is your problem in the same way we have to hear from the lord the cutting between the spirit and the soul what is causing this mm. okay i'm not saying all six sicknesses have a spiritual root but most sicknesses have a spiritual root because the bible talks about jesus went around healing everyone who was oppressed of that if you look at jesus ministry his <coughs> ministry was equally divided into three parts that is he preached the word he cast out demons and, and he healed the sick. sick you know why the church is in a mess because they took the two out and they have only a one part ministry because the, the the church today thinks they are smarter than god so they will not talk about demons and they will not talk about healing but nothing has changed things has only become worse the demonic is even more worse now and sicknesses are even more but when you have fixed your doctrine says all these things have stopped and these things don't happen anymore and it's only the preaching of the word of god what you are doing is that you're condemning to a church to live in the natural when the supernatural is available to the church and the church is supposed to live in the supernatural in mark 16 when five signs are given to that will follow those who believe the first sign is casting out demons first is casting out demons and demonic is absolutely absolutely real it overwhelms the whole world the whole world is under the power of the prince of wickedness the ruler of this age as he called and the demonic is there in there i mean jesus when he goes to that man at gadarenes and asks what is your name the demonic host in them they say the name is legion and the legion can be up to 7000 roman soldiers so this man had up to 7000 demons in one person so the devil has no shortage of manpower or demon power <laughs> no shortage at all okay no shortage at all so we don't understand it and we actually are messing our own lives up so sickness could be often is got and then it gets into the body and then it becomes a actually manifestation in the body but if we can address it at the root level like the medicines which the doctor gives you it helps you with the body you heal and go after some time it comes back again it recurs okay so we have to i'm not saying all sicknesses are demonic 
because the whole atmosphere has been messed up, there is so much pollution, every food is poisoned, everything is there to contaminate and it's having an effect on the body. So that is also there. But we are not negating the, absolutely not negating the, the demonic and there is the demonic, what you call the sicknesses that is passed down as iniquity. iniquity. What you mean has sickness coming down has iniquity is there is what is called the spirit of infirmity. Hmm. That infirmity is sickness. That can pass on from father to son. Father to son. Okay, it can pass on and it passes on in the family. And medically we know like diseases like diabetes and all passes down. But I also know believers who have believed and broken it and that sickness which is supposed to medically pass on did not pass on to them. And then it skips one generation and goes to another generation because they didn't believe. Hmm. In the believe. Okay. So you have to realize that, you know, what we are trying to teach about sin, iniquity and transgression and the prayer which we gave you on Sunday. Every day, believe it. Not just, don't make it into a mantra. Hmm. Because this is not mantra. This is real. The blood of Jesus works and break every time. One of these days, you know, probably whenever we teach, we will teach you. What could have happened? We are not judging our parents. We are not judging no. our parents. No. We are accepting a reality. When Nehemiah talks about all of them, or Daniel, all of them, when they prayed, they confessed the iniquities of their forefathers. forefathers. They were not judging. No. They were not judging. There is an element of judging which is there without, without condemning them. Without condemning them. If I don't judge my father without... I have to judge my father without condemning him. I judge his father. Yes, my father was alcoholic. My father was alcoholic. But I am not. I'm not. I don't touch it at all. Even in the days when I was an unbeliever, I wouldn't go near it. Because as a young man, I saw what it was doing to my father and to my family. I ain't going that way at all. Mm. I ain't going so. Okay. And then, but it does not apply to the others in the family. I'm not mentioning names and all, but among our siblings, the unsaved siblings, they drink. They drink. We didn't skip them. We didn't skip them. So, iniquity can be broken. And many of these diseases like cancer and all can be passed down. And uh, it has to be broken. And you can, you can. I, I do believe in complete uh, redemption of man spirit soul and body but the body is body is deteriorating. deteriorating because there is no redemption complete redemption in that sense for the body but from sickness yes okay i'm not saying not use medicines and all all that is okay with god but it's not saying because i believe even the medicines which the doctors have the wisdom comes from god what the demon attaches is he attaches other things to that med- medicines to make us zombies. Mm. That is, I'm not worried at all about coronavirus at all. I'm worried about the vaccine. I do not worry about corona at all. I'm very worried about the vaccine if it is made mandatory. Because anything that a system makes mandatory, which I have to receive into my body, I'm always concerned because simply because I don't trust the system. I don't trust the system anywhere. That concerns me more than COVID-19. That, no? So that's where, and always you will see, ask any doctor, 
it's all experimental <laughs> medicines and all it's all experimental nobody will give you 100% 100% like why is the vaccine not out because they have to do all the experiments but some of these experiments it will only 50 years later after so many, like in my generation when the pressure cooker came and boy pressure cooker was such a big hit and everybody about pressure cooker how good it is how easy it is cook and then after 25 years they realized the damage it did to people because of the aluminum deposits that was found in the brain Brains. right it was in they talk about microwave it's so easy nuke it but they actually talked about how much damage it causes to the food and to our body so but these studies will only come after one generation has died <laughs> so everything is in the process of experimentation my whole thing is that the best thing is walk before god repent seek the blood offer your body to the lord the lord says the body for the lord the lord for the body and don't put too much hope on the body because body is anyway we all know bodies but as far as you can within your capacity within your limitations each one according to your limitations like a rich man is able to have the best of diets and the cleanest of environment everything what about the man in the hut who is also a believer so god is a god of everybody so to the one who has so many limitations god gives you mark 16 with the five promises cast out demons pick up serpents poison you drink speak in other tongues lay hands on the sick and i tell you this is powerful i see lot of new manuscripts in the bible this is not, not there, there. Exactly. it's not there but i believe in this complaint you Amen. cannot make me unbelieve in it because i have seen this happen in my ministry so you cannot and i personally believe it has happened to me these signs shall follow those who believe follow in my name they shall cast out demons they shall speak with new tongues they will take, take up serpents meaning they shall deal with the demonic i give you power over all the power of the enemy you shall trample up trample upon snakes, snakes and scorpions because in the entire age before jesus came the serpents were trampling upon us you will see and he says now i give you power over he come reversing it if they drink anything deadly that's what we are drinking the water is contaminated the milk is contaminated the fruit juice is contaminated chemical trails everywhere chemicals pesticides you can do whatever you want a trace of the poison is going in every day and god says this is my promise and i'm telling you as a pastor missionary i have gone into places and i'm not somebody who carries bislery with me and all that kind of stuff the kind of places i have to go the kind of situation i had to live the kind of water i had to drink and the kind of food i had to eat and all these days of my missions all this is in actual mission in those places i have never fallen sick on the other hand when i am here when i am here because this is the first time for 45 days how many days are we here now? 44 45 days yeah 45 days my whole system is gone because i am eating food cooked by different people which i never do i never do I never do i always eat only one home cooked food even when i was in the church with the underground church in that country where i was there for almost a year and a half and i lived alone and i had my my schedule was from 4 in the morning till 11 in the night because i had to teach in the college and work with the church never did i eat from outside i cooked my own meals simply because i need, i knew i needed my body to serve god okay serve god so what i am saying is that we do what we can do but when it is beyond us we claim this 
Lord, no, and even when we do what we do, we still claim this. Lord, even if I drink poison in thy name's sake, Apukuti only will give me good stuff, but even if uh, it's not Apukuti, the water is, does, she doesn't manufacture water, mm-hmm. you know. So even if we drink poison, it will not harm me. The body for the Lord, the Lord not for the, the body. I said, you look at all the promises connected with healing, finally I come and say, come to Corinthians 6 and claim that ultimately. Surrender your body to the Lord. And then after that something comes in, it is well with my soul. I have no autonomy over my body. My body was bought by the price by the Lord Jesus Christ. And after I have done everything, something comes into my body, I will give glory to you because it's your body anyway. You have the right to do with anything, anything. And let me tell you something to the sisters all who are listening. There was a lady, a missionary in Africa, in one of those difficult areas. And she was a missionary among one particular tribe. And what happened is that suddenly this tribal warfare took place. And one tribe attacked the tribe in which she was taking care of them, their children, hospital. I can't remember the whole story, but I really know what happened. The tribe that attacked the other one uh, overpowered that tribe, killed a few, and they raped her. Raped her. And... uh, you know how came she? She came out of the trauma. She came out of trauma by believing the word of God and said, Lord, they did not rape my body. They raped, raped your body. My body is yours. I have surrendered it all. And you know what? The response of her really practically, both the tribes saw. And it both brought reconciliation between the two tribes. They looked at it and they realized only God could have done this. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, her testimony was that if the if the violation of my body ultimately brought glory to the living God and brought peace and reconciliation between two tribes and brought them to Jesus Christ, I have glorified Christ with my body, though the act was evil, because God has turned evil into good. You have to understand the power of the word and surrendering the the your body, soul, and spirit to the Lord. Yes. Uh, on that, on that one, one question I want to ask was, when you said, uh, um, that w- the modern day church has, uh, discredited, I mean, has removed the healing and the casting out of demons and only sticking out, sticking yeah. to the word, that's, isn't that what Jesus said that you do not err, you err because you do not know the scriptures, yeah. not the power of God. God you yeah. either are majoring in the scriptures and discrediting completely yeah, the power. When of he God. was talking about, he was talking to them, but what happened to their case is that, uh, the beginning of the new covenant, one of the signs of the covenant that the kingdom has come is casting out of demons. demons. That's why his ministry was different from theirs. And the apostolic ministry continues with that. And it should be continued every day. And personally, I will ask you. Uh, we will come that to that later. But I will tell you. You don't have to go to anybody. You surrender yourself constantly and believe in the word of God. You command to yourself, saying that if anything that is of demonic is in me, leave. I'm not saying you're possessed by demons, but you're oppressed by demons. Possession also takes place. Mm. Okay, we have three levels, spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, no. That is what happened to Judas. After he took the communion, the devil entered into his spirit, into his heart, inside, and he walked away into the darkness. That is the final level. Then you're gone. Then you're gone. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So, so coming to that, Pastor, we have question number three, which kind of talks about the... Okay. 
Uh, let me read that for you. Pastor, I'm a believer, but my family is a normal, nominally, is nominal Christian. Mm-hmm. My mother has been sick for some years now. As soon as she gets well, few days later, she again falls back into sickness and is never able to recover fully. She has been seeing things with her open eyes, sometimes a snake wrapping around her, sometimes a demon itself and etc. She also dreams nightmares and speaks while dreaming. Many times I just go to her, wake her up and plead the blood of Jesus and leave. And there was a certain night that when she was dreaming and she was speaking out loud, I went to wake her up while she still was uh, seeing a nightmare. My mother said, I, I am Satan. I immediately knew that she was, she was, she was being spoken to, but because I knew it can't be Satan himself, so I ignored and woke her up, then I woke her up and pleaded the blood of Jesus again. A year later, year back, a pastor had visited our home and disclosed that our home was under the power of witchcraft. But that left me with a few questions. Some day, some say that I have authority to rebuke. Some say regarding these things that ignore and keep praying. Personally, I'm reminded of the verse in Acts 19.15 which says, Jesus I know, Paul I knew, but who about, what about you? Pastor, what is the wisest thing to do in this situation? The wisest thing to do is first do it. I would always say that, you know, first do a clear evaluation of self. Okay, because there are three things, primarily three things that gives us authority in the spiritual realm. One is the word of God. Mm. Other is the name of Jesus Christ. And the third is the blood of Jesus. And all these three things work together. All these things work in my name. You shall cast out. Okay, The blood gives us power. But thing is that this is absolutely, I mean, it's absolutely demonic. Have other letters also, I didn't. Uh, compile them all together. Many others are I mean, believing um, Christians or nominal Christians. Uh, no, And the problem is people take these things and all very lightly. Mm. Very lightly. This is the reality in which we live in. The whole world is under the power of witchcraft, which means the demonic. And that is going on day in and day out, everywhere it is going on stuff that is going on in the this realm and the other realm, bringing the whole world under oppression. And the thing is that God's children have been given the power, the authority to, to rebuke, to cast them out. But here what is happening is, I don't know your background, and I do not know um, the church you go to, what you yourself believe in, how strong you are in the Lord, and all these things matter. All these things matter. Remember, the devil can sense fear easily. Mm. That's why God keeps on saying, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. And one of the things which you have to do, if you get into something that's called deliverance ministry, casting out demons, don't be afraid at all. They will manifest like crazy. Every demon has its own personality and it will show. I have seen it all, the faces changing, suddenly hands flaying where it looked like the person has 15 hands, 20 hands, them crawling from one place to the other like a, literally like a snake. All these things happen. Only thing is that you should not be afraid. You should not be afraid. And when it is people who are part of the lords where the altars come out and when the witches comes out because they have, you have purple, you have red, you have black, you have different kinds of altars. The black ones come out. They are witches. 
And they will try to cast a spell on you right away saying, I'm a witch, I have power, I'll cast a spell on you. But that's where you stand there and look them in the eyes and rebuke you. And then Jesus says, boom, they fall. Okay, but you cannot be afraid. You cannot be afraid. Fear is a doorway. So you, you are afraid, scared of the question, who are you? So I would say that, uh, first be strong in the word. Do a spiritual spring cleaning. See that your life is clean before God. Plead the blood of Jesus upon yourself. And because it's your mother, it was somebody else, I would say, leave it alone. But because it's your mother, I would say, keep praying. Plead the blood of Jesus over her. Don't jump into deliverance first, but keep praying and pleading the blood of Jesus over her continuously. And then start, uh, whenever she manifests like that, you say, I bind you in Jesus' name. I rebuke you. You will not come out. And I ask you, and sorry, you will not manifest in my house. I ask you to leave in and try it. If you're afraid and uh, leave it alone, but find a pastor who believes in these things and who does this, you need to seek help. But if you're afraid, don't do it because mm. it can jump on you. Okay. So, <clears throat> Pastor, uh, this is, of course, related to... Uh, Home, Pastor. Okay. You have any question other? number? This is question number five. Okay. Um, abuse in homes have been there for years and years, except nobody washed dirty linen in public. You never throw stones on glass houses. You suggested yesterday if the marriage is getting beyond help, separate for a season. God is able to reconcile the couple. Do you agree if separated for a season, the fire will be dying of the spark that could be ignited again? If the spark could be ignited again. Honestly, you run out of patience and then you have this notion, God is not hearing my cry. I have five broken homes in our family. Could this be iniquity? A curse or just irresponsible human behavior? Everything is included in this. And if you come to the family questions, you have to understand that, you know, Major issue with mankind is that we want God to help us in our trouble without ourselves subscribing to God's rules for living. Mm-hmm. It's just our major issue. God has already told how we should live. It's all there. The book is there. And I'm, I can tell you honestly, like, you know, most Christians don't read their Bible. Even if they read their Bible, it's like any religious person read, reading a religious text like a mantra. They don't try to understand the life that is required of us by God and the power that is given for us. And therefore, all marriages are based on falsehoods, unrealistic expectations. The expectations in the marriages are not from God. It's from movies, romantic novels, Mills and Boone, Barbara Cartland. No, all these books people read, all the soap operas people watch, and all the movies, and it's the expectations are not even true. But remember, two people get married with all these expectations in their heads, and then what happens is that everything, and then you talk about the sin, the iniquity that has happened, the witchcraft that is there, whatever the parents were involved in, this whole thing comes up and assesses the marriage is doomed to fail. And then people, like I said, people who live in glass houses don't throw stones. You want to put this picture before the, before the, 
society that everything is okay. And uh, therefore, you never receive your deliverance either. Everybody who had needed deliverance had to come to God and say, I'm going through this. Help me. My son is demon possessed. This I have to say it. We won't do that. And we don't do that. God is not able to deliver us. So the thing is that counseling is easy with any other issue. The most difficult part of counseling is when marriages break up. It is so difficult. They come at the last point. They come to your pastor. When you are sitting with your pastor, you and you talk to couples, you know that they don't even really believe in the word of God. <laughs> they just want a solution out of this mess. They don't believe in the word of God. How do you counsel people? One who don't believe in the word of God. Two who do not know the word of God. Three if you explain to them, do not ac- accept the absolutes of the word of God. Because the word of God is God. How do you counsel them? How do you counsel them? So even this question about separating for a season and all ultimately looks like a secular counseling. Hmm. The only reason we say separate is so that the abuse will stop. Hmm. Because the abuse can lead to even more dangerous consequences. But you need to realize so many couples who get married, even in churches, they are not Christian in really outlook, thinking, belief or walk. They just used to Christ and the church. They made covenants which they don't believe in. They don't believe in. And therefore you come over there and the thing is that, okay, you separate for a season. But the only reason you separate is because there is a lot of abuse. But after the separation, that's the only time we counsel. I personally counsel separation is when it, there is abuse. And alcoholic, drug addicts, physical, emotional, when it is unbearable and you have to protect the victim, then uh, you ask for separation. But if you're thinking about reconciliation, reconciliation based on what? If both people are not seeking help and going to a Bible-believing church and coming under the authority of the Word of God and getting ministered to, there is no reconciliation that's going to happen. Even if there is a reconciliation, it will be a very a false temporary reconciliation. These things will keep on coming back until finally they go and they divorce. Mm. They divorce. So we have to look at all these things and if there is going to be a solution where the marriage can be saved is where both parties first humble themselves and Amen. say, we will come under the authority, under of, the the authority of, of the word of God. We will receive the counseling that is under the, according to the word of God and we will work it out. So help us God. Otherwise it's not going to be possible. And the honors will be always when a couple is sitting over there, the honors is always upon the one who believes. That person will have to carry the weight. Will have to carry the weight. We'll come further because we have even more terrible so, terrible so it issues. is basically how one guy has one of the persons has to say you know what lord i want this to work and i'm willing to pay the price as far as i can do it right Pastor? one person has to even otherwise what we tell them is that okay at the end of the day we are not going to go too much into the word and the spirit and all because you both are practically outside yet the marriage has to be saved because marriage is an institution ordained by god to kids are there so what I would say is that, hey, come on. First thing, can we have the violence stop? 
Okay. Violence is not a solution. It's not an answer. It's not even a response to anything that is happening among you. First thing is, before we discuss everything, can the violence stop? Can you stop hitting your wife? And wife, can you stop screaming and calling him all names? The violence is there from both sides, many cases. Can the violence stop, please, first? Okay? Because let things calm down first. As long as the violence is going on, you are not even listening. It's no, the council is not even going in. So can we first stop the violence? And then we look at your entire area of what your problems are going on. Can we come to some middle ground? Hmm. Okay. No, there are areas which you agree. Can you work together on that and leave the other things alone? Because actually, if you look at all the things, it's not really so important. But things which you disagree are not such earth-shaking things. Okay, it's not such things. So can you just leave, no? A lot of men, I'm talking about Christian men, meaning they have a term called Christian. And I don't call them Christian because they use Christ. They don't allow Christ to use them. Meaning they know certain scriptures. Wife, submit your husband in all things. That is scripture. But the question is, in all practical purposes, you are not even a Christian. You're not even a Christian. How dare you use something from the scripture when you do not follow scripture and do not come under scripture and use it exclusively because it suits you. Okay? Suits you. And the wives also, you know, you have to love me as Christ Jesus loves me. The question is, are you truly a Christian? Before you ask, you know, meaning I'm an Indian. Can I go to court and say there is this particular law in US, it applies to me? No, it does not apply to me. I'm not an American citizen. How dare you come to our court and say that law applies to me? And that's what happens in so many Christian homes. They don't read the Bible. They do not pray. They do not go to church. They go once in a while when they feel like that. They never pray together. They do not even know the word. They do not understand what the kingdom of God is like. But when it comes to certain things, they will say, that is my law for you and it is written. And it simply doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Does that mean it's not true? It is true, but it's not true for you. Hmm. It's not true for you. It's not true for you. And that is where the conflicts come. And Paul will tell in his letter to Timothy, the, the number one cause of all relational issues is self. People shall be lovers of themselves. And when a person is a lover of themselves, there's nothing you can talk to that person. Talk to that person. Cannot talk to that person. Because that person is, you will not listen to counsel at all. I don't care. I don't, you want to leave, you leave. I'm going to live my life. I don't care. I'll find somebody else. That doesn't agree, I'll find somebody else. You know? So, that's how it works. So, you have to go into the deep. You are not looking for uh, you putting a bandage when you need surgery. You know? Many of the people who go for counseling is looking for a temporary solution. Thinking that, I don't want to change my lifestyle, okay? I just want a solution to my problem. Hmm. No? Like, doctors will say, you know what? You need to change your lifestyle. No, you need to change your lifestyle. How you live, how you work, how you exercise, 
what you eat, you need to change your entire lifestyle. For this sickness, I can give you this prescription. Take it for five days, it will go away. But I'll tell you, if you don't change your lifestyle, it will come back. Okay. It will come back. And it may come back stronger and stronger and stronger, and one day it may take your life, or you may need surgery, chemo, whatever, whatever that goes with it. No, I'm saying, in the same thing is with life. People want temporary solutions, but God says that is not the solution. The solution is you have to change, and you have to change completely. If any man is in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation. That's the solution. First, be born again, and then keep on changing. Appropriate the principles of the kingdom and change your life like that, and and. The most difficult change any man or any woman will face in life is in marriage. It's in marriage. Not anything else. The most difficult you will face is in marriage. You know why? Because that's the relationship where change is required most. Exactly. Because the two shall be one. Like Christ. Nowhere does God say, Fathers, be like your father in heaven. He doesn't say that. Mothers, be... He doesn't say. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ Jesus loved the church. Wives, submit your husband in all things as unto the Lord. So you are already fixed there. So you all remember every marriage. So a lot of couples at certain points have drawn limits and decided that this is as far I go. I'm not going any further. And they don't, and they're looking at says, you know, I can't change for that man. I cannot change for that woman. But they don't realize they're short circuiting their own rewards. Their own rewards. And I'll, uh, it's not there, but one sister had written. I'm not trying to guess. She wanted to remain anonymous. She's written from another country from U.S., and she says three generations of her family, her husband, her father, her grandfather, are all pastors and very famous pastors. I don't even want to take a guess who they are. Okay, and he says, I don't want to guess, he says, one of them is somebody we mention in our preaching too, so I don't even want to guess who your father is. <laughs> I don't want to even think in my mind who. I was thinking, who could it be that, I mean, I rarely mention pastors but who could it be? And she she says about the hypocrisy she sees in marriages where the grandfather was abusive, the father was abusive, and the husband and all the things. So yet they are godly men in the public. They have written so many books and everything and all. I understand the struggle. And she says the woman, I, I'm not uh, demeaning or anything. The woman takes that language, all the junk. And it's too much on the wife, the mother. We'll get to, get to parts of that later. But let me tell you something. The man of God and his wife, that marriage is the most difficult. More than any marriage. Because you see, the man of God, I mean, I'm talking about genuine men of God, who really study the word, wait before God, because they know. And because they have to preach. See, I'll tell you why. When I taught... Years and years ago, when I taught Shakespeare, I was teaching Shakespeare. No, think about it. I had to teach three sessions. Same class, but three different sections. So I go teach, and I'm beginning, I have to work. I remember I was teaching Julius Caesar. I had to work, I had to prepare. First class is the most difficult. 
second class is easier because I already taught that same thing. There. Third so class is breeze, easier. Breeze. So one semester is over, second semester, or you, whatever you call it, you review the whole thing. The first year, by the time the end, it's easy. Second year, the text hasn't changed. It's the same text. Second year, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, what I call it, it's a cakewalk. It's a cakewalk. <laughs> it's a cakewalk because you don't even need your text. Absolutely. You don't yeah. even need your text. But the, but I've been preaching for 25 years from the Bible and every day the text is different because God is living. It's a living God. The text is, it's a one textbook if you want to put it. So I know what it is to be a classroom teacher and what it is to be a servant of God. And the problem the servant of God faces is this. His mind is far ahead of his life and he struggles with every day. He knows this is the truth. It is struggling to reach there because he knows that is the truth because he has to work on it every day of his life. This is the revelation of God he receives and he has to play catch up every day. And there is one person in his life who knows who he is. That person is in his house and the person is sitting in the congregation and I'm telling you all pastor's wives, you don't know his struggle. And don't even dare judge him. Don't ever judge him. And he has to constantly live with that trauma of trying to catch up with what he knows. What he knows. Yet he cannot but teach it. Hmm. The only man who preached and lived it was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Okay, many of the revelation Paul is writing, he already writes the revelation, but he knows he hasn't reached it. He says, I'm still pressing towards the revelations I have received, basically he's talking about. Nobody, nobody is able to handle that pressure unless you realize, you know what, God accepts me as I am. And, and that way, and also the problem is, therefore, the woman also receive, is on the receiving end. The woman I'm talking about, the pastor's wife is on the receiving end. Why she's on the receiving end, unlike other men's wives, other Christian believers' wives, because this man's expectations from her are also far behind him and her. <laughs> he knows everything what an ideal woman is, because the scripture has revealed it. This is what the church is supposed to be. The pastor struggles with the congregation because he's far ahead of the congregation and the congregation is not even at all interested in becoming the bride of Christ. <laughs> The frustration he faces with himself, the frustration he faces with his church, the frustration he faces with his wife, the frustration he faces with children. Every time he looks at children, all he remembers is a lie. I will cut you off and I will cut your generations off and all the time is that. What Paul wrote to Timothy and what Paul wrote to Titus about the pastor's children. The other fathers don't struggle with the children the way the pastor struggles with the children. Hmm. No? Peter is working in, let us say, in a college. Dr. Richard is a doctor in a hospital. Raj is in Google. They never tell him, if your children do not obey you, we will dismiss you from Google. They never tell you. He will not be, if you leave, we will chuck you at nobody. But the pastor is always walking on the tender roof. If your children don't resign and get out. If your wife is like, resign and get out. He's under this tremendous pressure every day. Yet he knows his call is genuine. And therefore, there is so much tension between the man and the wife. So much tension. And you know what? He takes it on her. He takes it on her. He can't take it before his congregation. A lot of pastors' wives or wives generally, their question is, how come you are so sweet to all the other women? Right? 
Imagine Dr. Richard is married and his wife asks that question. What does he want to do? Treat his patients like his wife? He can't. He simply can't. He says, yes, madam, please sit down. How are you feeling? How are things okay? He will always be polite. And that's what the pastor is. He has always has to be polite with the lady members on the church. Because, but, and the problem is all his frustrations. He comes and he's, and then he's judged daily by God. This is not what I expect of you. Like I told you, ten times Israel rebelled against God. Ten times God said, okay, you are not entering. Poor Moses once. That do because of the people. It was not that he was thirsty. The congregation was thirsty and they were after his life. So he lost it. And God said, okay, that's it. You're not entering into the promised land. Okay. But the problem here is a man has to be very, very, very careful. Very, very, very careful. And the woman has to be also, also has to be. Let me, let me read to you something. Okay. So that you understand. I'm not justifying anything. Okay, yes. please don't misunderstand me. No justification. Okay, we are not justifying. I'm only speaking to as from a man's perspective what the man goes through. And uh, I do not accept verbal abuse. I do not accept emotional abuse. I do not accept physical abuse. And I think I look back in my life, I'm not a physically abusive person at all. I think my son got away because of that. Because I saw my father whipping me every day and my father being alcoholic and being an abusive husband. So these things got into my my head. One, I will never drink. Two, I will not be physically abusive and I will not be an abusive person. So that is there ingrained in me. So I, I mean... I look into my own life. I'm not whitewashing my life, but I don't think I was ever that way under, unless extreme cases. No, I was never an abusive person. So I do not forget a pastor for anybody. I do not accept abusive situation. Susanna Wesley had 19 children of which nine of them died in when they were infants. So she's a mother who went through lot of, lot of pressure. Her father was a minister. She was the 25th of the 25 children of her father. So they were talking about families, how they were those days. Okay, She was also married to a servant of God, a pastor. They had a lot of issues in the family. And for a season, this man left her and the children and went away. And this is one of the letters she wrote. I am a woman, but I am also the mistress of a large family. And though the superior charge of the souls contain it lies upon you, yet in your long absence, I cannot but look upon every soul you leave under my charge as a talent committed to me under a trust. I am not a man, nor a minister, yet as a mother and a mistress, I felt I ought to do more than I have done yet done. I resolved to begin with my own children, in which I observe the following method. Father is absent. He just abandoned the family and gone away. I take such a proportion of time I can spare every night to discourse with each child apart. On Monday, I talk to Molly. On Tuesday, to Hetty. Wednesday, Nancy. Thursday, Jackie. Friday, Patty. Saturday, with Charles. Can you imagine this, mother? Samuel Wesley spent time in jail twice 
due to his poor financial abilities and the lack of money was a continual struggle for Susanna. Still, she managed to run a family. And then their house was burned down twice and John Wesley almost died in one of the fires. And she had to send her children to different homes uh, because they couldn't manage until a house parsonage was built. And when she came back, she realized her children had picked up language which she would have never allowed them to speak. Speak. And one of her rules was that until the children reach the age of five, they will have no secular education at all. Absolutely no. It will be completely done by her. Done by her. Okay, so I'm talking to about a mother. And then what happened? Her father, her husband again had to go to London, was away for a long time to help one of his friends. So he appointed somebody else from the congregation to preach in the church. Mm. And when she found this man is preaching only about repaying debts and nothing else, those days prosperity preacher. And the children were not getting fed with the word of God. You know what she happened? The lack of diverse spiritual teaching caused Susanna to assemble her children Sunday afternoon for family services. Look at a mother. (laughs) They would sing a psalm. Then Susanna would read a sermon from either a husband's or father's sermon file, followed by another psalm. The local people began to ask if they could attend. And she said, okay, it's an evening home service, no? At one point, there were 200 people who would attend Susanna's Sunday afternoon service, while the Sunday morning service soon dwindled to nothing. Because people were gathering in her house, and she was just reading from her husband's transcripts. Because she said, my children need to be taught. Okay. Her husband spent his whole life and all of the family's finances on exegetical work on the book of Job. However, his work was not remembered, had little impact on his family other than the hardship. On the other hand, Susanna raised up a John Wesley and a Charles Wesley and her books, which she wrote, are still available. So there are women, pastors, wives, who have gone through hell. Really, really. And have come through have to come through because the, you have to wear the burden, bear the burden. Okay, If the man of God is weak, then the woman of God has to be strong. If the woman of God is weak, the man of God has to be strong. But abuse, no. Yes. Abuse, no. And you have to look at it all connected in the final picture. What is this? I am running a race. This. What is the vow you make in heaven until? Death to us part. So, uh, death is a end to marriage. There's no marriage in heaven. So marriage also has its purpose only on earth. And what is the deeper purpose of marriage? Sanctification. That you run your race. You're running your race. So you just think about it in the light of what we have heard. We don't know the other side, which only God knows. Who do you think gets the crown? Susanna or Samuel? Susanna. 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 That's why they call Susanna Wesley as the mother of Methodism. Methodist church is there. But they said the mother of the Methodist church is Susanna Wesley because she is the one who trained Charles and John. Not the father. Though the father was the pastor. The grandfather was the pastor. Nobody knows the father or the grandfather. Hmm. Nobody knows. But everybody knows John Wesley and Charles Wesley and they know Susanna Wesley. So even in extreme cases, a woman can really, really rise out of the ashes and make a difference in a generation. In case of Susanna's life, 
generations, an entire denomination is entirely built because of birth. birth. Because of a mother who had 19 children. Nine died. Can you imagine the pain of losing your children? What grief, sorrow, a husband who abandons you with all the children and goes away and then fire burns your house down twice and the debt and everything and through it all a woman of God emerges. So there are women of God, there are men of God. We are not justifying anybody's actions. But the whole thing is that there is a God who is there, who is there to help you through it all. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we'll have more marriage questions. Amen. So this is part B of question number seven on the same lines, Pastor, what you've discussed. Okay. I have little children, but if my uh, husband wants me to work, is it okay? What about the home? Seven. Okay, what about the home? Hmm. I know it's not biblical for the women to work and the husband to stay at home, but if in a financial situation like that, is it okay? I personally would like to stay at home and take care of the kids. Kids, how do I approach this? Okay, I don't put any rules for families. Okay, mm-hmm. we give you general principles of how it would work out and how God shows. And scriptures does not say that a woman should not work. Actually, Proverbs 31 shows she's a very hard worker and her husband seems to be a lazy guy sitting at the gate. <laughs> okay, making all those decisions. But we are not saying anything. My thing is that, you know, my issue is, I would say that every man and every woman who's married should know first self very well. Know yourself very well. And know each other well. Know each other well. That is the most important part. Know God, know self, know each other. The reason is this. The, the issue is not with a woman going to work out. The issue is this. The man goes out to work, the woman goes out to work, you can manage your family well. Uh, because I had gone through all this in my life. But I was very, very particular about the fact that uh, if the, I knew my God put the family first. So God always answered my prayers that the maid I had to take care of my children when they were small. It was an answer to prayer. It was an unbelievably godly maid. So, unbelievably God. I mean, this. I look into my life, like I was sharing this before we started. I look into my life. I look at God's intervention at every point in my life where God actually has intervened even in the failures of my life and propped me up. That So, so I believed and I've experienced a miracle and I believe that God is the same. You could also ask. What happened is that when my maid came, I was in Hyderabad, my maid came all the way from Assam. The church I had ministered to there, they went to the village. My translator there, he met her and said, no, this, to call me brother James, brother James needs help. So you need to go, you know, the little children, you need to go. And she came, he brought her here. She came and she was a godly. You can, you can never believe that all the years she was with me. Everybody asks, why is Andrew so gentle? He's gentle not because of me. He's gentle because of her. He brought her up, literally. And she's a very gentle maid. Very gentle, godly maid. And one of those times I still remember, uh, I never discussed salary with her. Can you imagine? Never discussed salary all the years I worked. And once I asked, I tried to discuss salary with her, she just looked at me and said, Dada, you know I did not come for money. I came to serve God. Okay. 
and she was like she's like an ideal dream maid okay before you wake up in the morning everything is already done she she puts even that steel bucket down so that you are not disturbed in your sleep everything is clean done she learned to cook all the stuff which she knows as a mallu i eat she took care of the kids like a dream by afternoon 2 o'clock all the work is done and you can see her sitting there with her bodo bible and she's sitting there and reading and praying and this was her life okay hardly talks phrase i try to i said i mean i like my vegetables and all she needs rice and one lentil and one i once i asked her child why don't you eat all this stuff she said and you give her clothes she said i don't i don't want clothes and can you imagine a girl who doesn't want girl clothes and this a maid who's not interested in food so i asked her the question i asked her her name was punima i said punima why are you like this I said I'm very surprised because in all these years in ministry I'm trying to make people like you <laughs> and they don't change why are you like this she said dada when i was young i remember a preacher came to me uh came to our church and he preached about heaven when i understood from the bible what is in heaven i understood none of these things are important in heaven at all so if i'm going to heaven why should i be worried about those things now hallelujah Hmm. Okay, this is this is a kid who did not even finish class ten in Bodo Medium. So what my this thing, what I'm trying to tell you is basically is that I'm not discouraging any of these things. Mothers going to work and all, you have to work it among husband and wife. You have to have complete peace about it, and peace about it every day, every day. The Bible says the man is the head of the house. Now the issue here is once the woman starts earning money gives you independence whether it is a man or a woman that should not get into your head this is the I've always seen whenever the woman goes to works and she starts making money and she has independence suddenly the woman starts changing things start changing in the house i'm not saying all women i'm saying some women let's put it in terms of some women and what it what that independence leads to is breaking the house down because the problem is money leads to independence independence leads to you taking decisions which could be detrimental to the house mm. so if a christian lady goes to work you should always remember even if my husband is a husband who is at home or works part time he's still the head of the house and at the end of the day even if we have disagreement i will go with what he says i will go what it is otherwise in the long run you will destroy your house and you should always behave that way in the house so that the child especially your daughter should see that my mother is a submissive praying mother who always honors her father okay otherwise she will grow up and dishonor her husband and the son will grow up never taking headship in his house because all these things are connected we are we are ministering to and also where husband and wife works and uh, let us say i'm talking about practical things that is happening today let's let's say the husband makes 10000 and the wife makes 20000 the wife is making double doesn't change anything in the house mm. 
And if you are not ready for that, and you have to judge yourself. Everybody knows yourself. Everybody knows yourself. Right? Each man, actually all of us know. We know what we are tempted by. We are tempted by. I can walk into a shopping mall and walk out without buying nothing. But I cannot walk into a Christian bookstore without buying nothing. Therefore, I don't go there. I can walk into Ikea. I haven't seen Ikea. I haven't seen Metro. I haven't seen any of these shopping malls. But I can go there. For me, it's a waste of time. I can walk there and I can walk out without buying anything. But I cannot go to OM Bookshop. So I will not go there. So I haven't entered OM Bookshop for years together. Or CLS or any of those places. Because <laughs> even if I don't have cash, I will use my credit card. I will end up buying books. So each man knows what he is tempted by. Each man. So each woman knows... Each man knows what he is. Therefore, each one should know. If I go out and work, and if I start making money, mm. am I a person who is tender towards being independent and being rebellious? If so, I'm not going. Mm. I'm not going. I see long run what I am. I see what I am. And I'm not going to put my children's life into a mess, break up my family. Okay, break up my family. So each man and each woman have to know. We are not prescribing rules here. Rules are there in the Bible. But these are general rules and each family has to work within it. Within it. And I'll always tell, yeah, husband to stay at home. But I always, I also have been a stay at home father in the sense, many years in the sense like, my ministry, people who are in the ministry, it's only in the evening. Daytime you do nothing. So I know what it is. So I, that's why I love children. I have no issues. And when mothers uh, complain, I say it doesn't work with me. <laughs> it works with others. It doesn't work with me. Because I did everything with my kids. Like, you know, I made the milk. I fed them. I fed their, I made their baby food. I changed. At those days, we didn't even have diapers. You had to use clothes diapers, so you know what it is to clean those clothes diapers separately, then rinse it, then put it into the washing machine, then put the soap, sorry, the Dettol, then hang it out all, like all over there, then go with it. And I used to tie my babies with a dupatta. Now you know what, like, because the Asamis do, like, I used to tie my little fellow on my side. While I'm cooking and you'll be watching over there while I'm cooking. I did it all. I cleaned the house. I swept the house. I cooked. I dropped the kids, brought them back on the scooter, tying one to the friend of the scooter sometimes on the back. I've done it all. So you cannot tell me mothering is difficult. Sorry, you got the wrong person to counsel you. It is not easy either. But what I'm saying to mothers is that you have to enjoy motherhood. Please, I enjoyed being a father and a mother to my children. That's why when Matulikya used to be there, I used to bring her every day. My wife says, I'm not going to handle her. You don't have to. I will handle her. I have no issues at all. She was also a baby only. And I could handle her, clean her, change her, get her ready. And she would drive me up. And I used to tell Elsa, maybe I'm getting old now. I don't have the energy when my children were small. This child has got a lot of energy. Six, before six in the morning, her eyes are open and she'll tell, Palu. I said, okay, honey, come, <laughs> let's go downstairs. We let ma sleep, grandma sleep. Let's go downstairs. And my day used to begin like that. By 8.15, the child was dropped at GTLC. They had her in a potty, 
sang songs to her, made all the appropriate sounds, <laughs> made her do her ablutions, bathed her, combed her hair, put the clip. So these things are all. So now you you enjoy fatherhood, you enjoy motherhood. You have to enjoy this thing. Enjoy. No, that's what a home is all about. But the problem is when the ideas of the world get in, it destroys homes. So if you go to work, please go to work. Don't let the world get into your mind. Homes, Christian homes are are destroyed because of ideas. Hmm. And all the ideas in the world are contrary to the word of God. Hmm. Contrary to the word of God. Whether it is humanism, feminism, socialism, communism, everyism, you look at it, all that is contrary to the word of God. And you know why families, Christian homes break? It's because of these ideas. Hmm. Yes. Ideas get in and then you start becoming independent of God, independent of your spouse and before you know the house is gone. And that's what I'm talking about. So when we have little children, I think the sister says also the part of the ministry, how do we prioritize? You have to prioritize it, meaning you have to, you have to always, if you're a mother, I will always say you have to put your child first and not your ministry first. Never your ministry. Your child is your ministry. Your home is your ministry. Your home is your ministry. Okay? You have to always learn to balance it where your children are not neglected. Neglected. That's the whole thing. Neglected. But it's also a question of just a couple of years. After that, if you are consistent, like I'm, I'm, let me say, if you're consistent as a mother, where let us say when you talk about ministry, let us, let's put across that you are involved in church ministry. Whether, let us say you are involved in Sunday school or whether you are in the praise and worship team. So you have to give your time to the church. And if you volunteer for that, I would say that do it first with your children. Hmm. The, the problem with worship teams around the world is that the only time they worship is during practice and on Sunday morning. <laughs> but if you are a worship, part of a worship team and God has given you that talent, that is singing is your talent. You should be worshipping every day at mm. your home with your children. So for the child, it is nothing that is, it's natural. It is normal. My mom sings. My mom worships. My mom prays. No, my father. No, whatever it is, that is the way it should be. And then it is easy for the children to get used to it. Okay, so you have to always balance this, but you should never sacrifice your children. A woman, woman, I'm telling to a man, a man will be called to sacrifice everything. A woman will never be called, never be called to sacrifice a home for a ministry. God never goes against his order in the Bible, never does it. That's why there is not a single woman Jesus calls out for ministry. And he was not going with culture. He's not a cultural man at all. He never called a single woman into ministry, in, in his ministry. And you can go and you can, oh, pastors, I know good, well-meaning pastors will find one, Aquila and Priscilla, and then front one junior, nobody's sure it is male or female till today. Do you really, really think if God is calling women to ministry and full-time ministry, you will have to search with an electron microscope through the Bible to find a woman? 
<laughs> and they will talk about Deborah and all. Yeah, Deborah is living in the time of judges, meaning unexceptional situations demand unexceptional, uh, what you call it, solutions. So are there women ministers powerful in the underground in China? Yes. Do I legitimize it? Yes. Of course, because those are not normal life, normal situation. When you are being chased by the police and looked upon, and there's just a woman who can lead. Of course she should lead. Deborah is a woman of her times. <laughs> but where nations are free and everything is in order, God will never ask a woman ever to sacrifice a family for ministry because her family is her ministry. That is a wise woman. Builds her home. Everybody knows that, but they don't want to hear the other side. What is the other side? The foolish woman? Tears it apart. Tears it apart. So if you're a wise woman and you think if I go to work, I know myself, I know we've been married for these many years, five years, six years, four years, two years, three years. I am and God has shown me I'm not a really submissive woman. I struggle with submission. I have a major issue with it. Then I would say stay home. Hmm. Stay home. You know why? Because money will only activate it even more because it's giving you freedom and because you already know who you are. That's what I said. Each woman has to know who she is. Each man has to know who he is primarily and then make your decisions. Because if you really know it's already there, I'm already a rebel. Mm. I know how I've been struggling. I know how I was a daughter. I know how I was a wife and all I need is and my husband is struggling with finances. I know if I go, this is what I will be. Then don't. You're sowing seeds in your marriage, which will lead to his last. Destruction. Last question before we yeah. leave this topic, Pastor. <laughs> okay. What would you suggest a man in this particular situation? See, the, the I, I want to also because we have to be balanced here also. To the man, see, the, the whole issue is the whole issue is the way our lives have changed. Honestly, okay, this is all part of the enemy's agenda in the in the last days, last days began in the past 50, 60, 70 years. The whole agenda is moving people into the cities. See, Susanna Vesely and all, Susanna Vesely also struggled so much because she was a parson's wife, mm. a pastor's wife. But mostly, like, you know, if you look at our fathers, our grandfathers, my grandfather and all, they were all in the countryside. Okay? Like my grandfather, I have so many children. My mother's father, my father's father's father, I never met him. He died before even my father got married. So I know my mother's side of the family. He had so many children. But it was never an issue. Never an issue. Because living was not very difficult. Because everybody had their land. Everybody had the vegetables, everything grown over there. And houses were, but my grandfather's, the house where I grew up, when my parents dropped, I had 12 rooms. Everybody, even when I went, I had a bedroom of my own. So space was not a problem. Cattle was there. Everybody had cows. Nobody bought milk from outside. You know, everything they reared their chickens and their ducks. See, everybody is struggling with provision. What I'm talking about when you are living in the countryside, provision. Why does all the migrant workers want to go home? Because they know if I go home, I will not starve. I will not starve. We can all eat. We can all eat. They're coming here to make money. But see, this is what has happened. So, so that's what happened in city life. Everybody thinks, okay, one child, one and a half child, <laughs> two child. How will I manage? Because you're already thinking about, I want to get into that convent and the donation is this much. What will they will ask? The fees is this much. Already your head is going crazy. 
all good. Or you're going crazy because you are looking at looking at the finances, the logistics. You are already being. So the whole it, it, situation is life has changed so completely, so drastically. Now we are talking to men and women, and uh, the issue is you are also living in a time like you know when we were in our research and in our academic field. You, I, like I said, now we have a saying which is which is what publish or perish. Publish or perish. Publish. We are in the teaching business, so publish or perish. Now you are living in a different kind of system where be innovative or get chucked out. Exactly, absolutely. Old days you stopped studying and you started working. Now even if you are not working, you never stop studying. Yes. Because every year the system is churning out hundreds and thousands for your one job. There is fifty people waiting in queue for your job. So what does the IT companies and all do? They will chuck you out once you have reached a level and they will hire five freshers. Five people will be paid what you were paid. That your salary is divided into five. So there's nothing called job security now. Nothing called job security. So there is always this tension under which men and women of 21st century are living in because you got yoked into the world system. The only way out is that you work in the world, but you get yoked into God's system. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Mm. And one of the ways that things will be added unto you, let me talk, talk to young people. Let me talk to young people. One of the ways it will be added unto you is you have to be a good, good steward of God's resources. If God has to keep on giving you good steward, stewardship is important for God. Stewardship is very and has when when I I'm talking to you about personal experiences when my income was very very limited and I had to run because in ministry there is no income and I did not even have a church those days. So income is very limited. I have to pay the rent. I have to pay the fees of my children. I have to run my house. I had just a two-wheeler and I had to get the petrol. So I used to work out my finances very clearly. I would write it down. This is how much I need a month. And I put it before the Lord. I said, Lord, basic, this is how much I need. And I need this much, Lord, and I'm trusting you. May it will come through for me. But the other side of it was you need to realize I go to the supermarket. I still, I, one of the things I always said is, Lord, you call me to my ministry. You did not call my children to ministry. Let my children never ever feel that the God of their father could not take care of their needs. Let my, let me not be put to shame before my children that my God could not take care of them. And they never ever was put to shame. But always came through for them. Always came through. So what I used to do is that I used to go and check out the price supermarket. Everything I would check, what category, what price, so I knew it all. And you know, in Hyderabad, I used to go to the big mandi, the biggest mandi at Gudimal Kapur. The mandi is much, much cheaper. But you have to carry your big bag alone with your scooter. Buy it at the, the best at the cheapest. Buy my fish, buy everything. But the kids love it. Love it. Clean the fish, put masala, everything, keep for each day in the freezer. This is for Monday, this is for Tuesday, because people put it all in bulk. Then you have to break the fish out. No, that's not what you do it. You take little plastic covers, 
How many do you need for Monday? The little fellow, first thing he comes from play school is 11.30. He comes 11.30. First thing when he gets out of the auto, Papu, is there fish? I said, yes, honey, there is fish. Okay. <laughs> so everything is so. You have to be a good steward about how you're going to do your stuff. And it's hardship. Running a home is not easy, whether you're a mother or a father. It is not easy. Why do you think 25 years later, God has given us a ministry and we are able to take care of all the money still keeps on coming? You have no clue how many people we take care of in a month. Why do you think it comes on? Because we had to prove to God, I will be a good steward of your resources when I had very little. If you're faithful in little things, God says, I will put you in charge of big things. It was a hard, not hard rock in the terms of your cafe, but a hard knock life. For me, it was not easy. I learned it. And God was faithful, 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 faithful. That's why even today, my things last. 2004, I got this pair of trousers. Okay, it's from Scotland. It's from England. But 2004, it's 16 years old. You know why? It's never gone into a washing machine. Never has been washed by a maid. I wash it by hand myself. Always. You can, I mean, so... How many trousers does a man need? Mm-hmm. If it will last for 16 years. How many do you need? Think about it. How many do you need? Imagine imagine you have three pairs of trousers or four pairs of trousers. Each one of them lasts 15 years. How much money you have saved in 15 years in shopping? Shopping? Okay. Honestly, and even about two-wheelers. Whenever I have given my two-wheeler to somebody else, accidents and engine, I never, ever had a accident on my two-wheelers. And my two-wheelers will run, like, because I know how to maintain my... I don't drive a car. I'm talking about two-wheelers. I washed even yesterday. I, I'm not driving. How many days it has been till I took my scooter out? 45? You go check my scooter, wash it out. Just because you don't use a scooter doesn't mean you need, you need to look dirty. It's still something which God has given to you. And on top of that, it is black. So what did I do yesterday? Listen to a message and washed it, sparkling nice. Start it for 10 minutes, keep the engine on, put it back. Every four days I will do it. Why? You don't know when lockdown is over. When lockdown is over, that shouldn't look like something. The cat brought it on a dirty night. And the engine, you have to call the mechanic to come and start your engine. No. Simple things which you learned over life. What are you trying? You are living your life before God. Saying, Lord, when day one that comes, you should tell to me. That's whatever, five words or six words that will matter in eternity. What is that? Well done. A good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. Take charge of ten. Lord, how can you give me ten cities? Because I saw how you took care of a scooter. I saw how you took care of your books. I saw how you took care of your children. I saw how you took care of your house. I saw how you took care of your home. You will tell lots of mothers. Mothers out there will be shocked. Alcoholic husbands, abusive husbands, they went through all that hell, clung to God, prayed and brought their houses up. And when they come over there, God will say, come here, my child. Yes, you take care of this entire nation. Lord, I have no experience. He said, you have. But I never did. I said, I saw how you ran your house. Mm-hmm. I saw how you ran your house. That is administration. Now I will give you the gift of my Holy Spirit. Run this entire nation for how many years, Daddy? Thousand years. Mm. Just for a thousand years. You got administrative experience. I was watching you every second. People do not realize what is the transformation that will happen on Judgment Day. God says the last shall become the first. 
and the first shall be the last. It's going to be. That's how you look at life. And that is the joy you have. You know I'm doing it. I am doing it for one person who appreciates what I do. Your husband may not appreciate you. Your wife may not appreciate you. Your children may not appreciate you. But you know there is somebody when you know something is true and you do it consistently, you know always there is somebody who appreciates you. Why? Because there is somebody else whose name is also true and faithful. And that's how you live your life. And after some times you will realize it is not so difficult. It's all a discipline. It's not discipline. And to the man I will always say is that, like I said, I don't put so much pressure into 21st century today's men is that, you know. Because the jobs are like that. It is not easy like to live a job and find somebody, some another job. So there's a lot of struggle today. Lot of tension in finding a job. Like Pastor Vijay has got a PhD in robotics. Okay, he's got a PhD, he's got an MTech from IIT Kanpur, he's got a PhD in robotics, but he's been out of the circuit for how many years? Now if he were to go back, he will suddenly realize it is not easy to get back to the job market, even with his credentials. Mm. It's not easy. It's not easy at all, because that's the nature of the world. The nature of the world. So I don't put pressure on men or women. I said you have to work it within you and trust God. Honestly, it is God who gives you a breakthrough. You have to trust God. Honestly trust God. And the husband and wife have to be unbelievably open about all these things. Because it works within. So there's no general rule we will give you. Prescription is family to family will differ. And if you are like the pre-fall situation, Adam and Eve were naked and not ashamed, then all decision can be made easily. It's not easy. But you judge yourself and make your decisions. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, we'll come to the toughest question. In the Uh-oh. Last, last Uh-oh. Minute. Last question will be the toughest of the lot. So, let me read it out. I go to a very famous church. Never shared this with anyone. I'm a lesbian for 20 years. Mm. I'm 35 years now. I hate men. Hate them and some emoticons, Pastor. Okay. To even touch. Mm. Married a man, forced to marry, forced to marry by my family. Mm. I'm planning to run away. Yesterday I heard the Q&A and I was crying. What do I do? This man is crazy. I got pregnant. Had an abortion in January. Don't want children. Just overwhelmed with guilt, depression. I shared my issue with the pastor's wife. She told me to marry. It'll go away. It's worse. This man, this man has to beat me to have sex. I want out now. What do I do? For all those who are listening, this is not from US or Canada or Australia or New Zealand or we think Europe or anything. It's from India, okay? First, uh, dear child, okay, I call everybody child, okay, so let me tell you child this. Going to a very famous church does not make you a Christian. Hmm. Okay? But I have to address this thing assuming that you are a Christian. There are many issues over here, many, many issues over here. So, I am not first going to, this is question number seven, six, six, right? I am not first dealing with your husband here. Because if 
you were to come to me personally for counseling, I would prefer both of you there. But since you are the one who is writing and he is not, probably doesn't even know what is happening over here, I can talk to the one who comes for counseling. And the thing I have to tell you is first, you have to repent of many things. Seriously. First, let me tell you, and if anybody who is hearing and later hears, don't get offended with me, okay? I have told you I have had gay friends. They are very nice people. They are very nice people. But homosexuality, not homosexuals, homosexuality is demonic. Is demonic. Okay? Please understand that. So let's begin from there. Now connected with something else, but in, uh, we are not going to read the whole portion, but I'll give you the reference for those who want to check it up. If you look at Luke chapter 17 and verses 22 to 30, okay, Luke 17, 22 to 30, there are eight verses there. We are not reading the whole eight verses. Uh, he's talking, they ask him the questions. If you, la- if you look at verse 20, 21 also over there, they're talking about the last days. Okay, when he was asked of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, okay, so he talks after that, he talks about if you go till verse 30, he will talk to them about the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Okay, so he says the last days and we are living in the last days will be like the days of Noah and the days of Lot. And let me give you. Overall, in that six, seven verses, what are the six prominent signs of the last days? One, there will be incredible demonic infiltration into the human race. The sons of God married the daughters of men, meaning demonic activity will increase like never before. Second, every thought, inclination, imagination of mankind will tend more and more towards evil. Evil. Mm. I'm talking about moral evil too. Okay? Third, earth will be filled with violence. Fourth, there will be unbelievably open sexual perversion. Five, there will be blatant, aggressive, using the words, aggressive homosexuality. You saw that in Sodom and Gomorrah, Lord's time. Sixth, Materialism will take over everything. That's what talk of eating and drinking, marrying and giving one in marriage, building, planting, sowing, everything. It's basically the materialistic life, not the spiritual life. Materialistic life will take over because love of self will be the main factor over here. So please keep this in mind when I am giving you, I believe, godly counsel. So one of the signs of this sexual perversion that will come in the last days, now it has been legitimized in India, legitimized in the world, something that is made legal or lawful by the government Government. does Mm -hmm. not make it legal or moral before God. Mm -hmm. Please understand this. God Mm -hmm. will still judge you by his own laws and his own standards. Government, that's one of the signs of the Antichrist and we can see, John will say, many Antichrists have come and they are coming. One of the signs of the spirit of the Antichrist, Daniel will say, is that he will change the laws. Mm. 
Why does he change the laws? To legitimize certain things which are an abomination to God. Homosexuality was always hidden behind the closet. Never came out. The most famous in literature, the most famous homosexual person gay was Oscar Wilde. Mm. And he was jailed for his homosexual this thing, lifestyle. Okay, in because it all was banned. What we have at the section was from the British law. Homosexuality, because in all Christian nations, all these were banned by law because they knew it was an abomination to God. And these nations were built on Judeo-Christian principles. But once that has gone out, you only have a skeleton left over there. These things have been legitimized before man and never before God. So please understand homosexuality is abomination to God. Second, one of the signs of you becoming a lesbian or gay is also that God has given your mind also over. He gives, read Romans, child, please. I'm not condemning you. I'm telling you the truth as is in scripture. If I don't tell you the truth, neither do I love you as a pastor, nor am I helping you. Romans chapter 1, you read Romans chapter 1 till the end. You will see God has given over, given over to a deep, yes, for this reason God Gave them up to wild passions for even their women exchanged the natural use of what is against nature. So you need to realize at your level there are so many things is happening. In your mind, in your soul, there is demonic activity, uh, oppression. In your body, there is demonic oppression that is going on. And you have gone to the other level of aborting your child. So you are piling up one after another has piled up. First thing I will tell you, child, is you need deliverance. You need deliverance. Your marriage and all is secondary. What your husband is doing, that's all secondary. I'm not worried about your husband because he has not come to me. You have come to us. I'm worried about you. I'm worried. Jesus never asked to see the Samaritan woman's boyfriend. He's not, he's not interested about him. He's interested about her. Mm. She was six time, uh, five times married and divorced and living with the sixth one. And he was worried about her, concerned about, not worried, concerned about her. So I'm concerned about you. I'm not concerned about your husband. You've been a lesbian for 20 years. You're 35 years now. That means, that means. Teenager. Not, yeah, 15 years or something. You're not 15 years, 10 years. Mm. Ten years, so it's been it's deep-rooted demonic stronghold has been established in your thinking, and in your behavior, in your life. You are married to a man, and then uh, I can understand. I'm not tall. I don't even want to talk about him. He's not the issue here. I'm talking to you, child. You need deliverance. First, you need to go before God, cry out to God, and sort. This is what I am, because this is what Your Word says I am. I repent, give me the strength to come out of this and deliver me from this. See, so many demons have got in. I'm telling you straight up. So many demons. See, demons also work in gangs. Okay? For those who are listening, let me give you uh, my, what I call it. All kinds of demons, like I told you about legion, right? Demons, okay? Please understand that, this. In your case, because it's very clear, because it's so deep ingrained, like people, when they talk about issues, even in the other questions, because this is the last question for today, you need the Holy Spirit to show sometimes certain things, whether it is from the flesh, your flesh, or whether it is demonic. Hmm. 
That is why you need the living word of God who cuts through and shows you whether it is your flesh or whether it is demonic. Because you can have a tendency which is from the flesh. You can have the same tendency which is demonic. Mm. That's where you have to understand. Because solution is different. Mm. You can never cast out your flesh. Crucify You can only crucify your flesh. Yes. Okay. You can never crucify a demon. You have to cast out the demon. You have to cast out the demon. In your case, it will be both. You have the flesh, which has already become like that. So you have to crucify your flesh. Every one of us has to crucify. But you also have to cast out the demon. And demons, all kinds of demons are there. Okay. And one of the things I will tell you, when you use the word evil spirit or demon, evil spirit, the word spirit is also the same word, which is ruah, which also means breath or wind. Meaning you cannot see a spirit unless they make themselves visible. You cannot see it. You can only identify the wind by its effects. Hmm. Right? I can see the fan. I can see the fan turn around, but I can, can't see the wind. But you can see the effects of the wind. You can see the curtains moving. So you know there is some wind over here. In the same way, you identify a spirit or a demon by the effects. Okay? So these are the effects that is in this child's. Okay, so you can see, generally speaking, there are deceiving spirits, there are unclean spirits. No, all kinds of spirits are there. Okay, there are what is called the spirit of heaviness, which is what leads to depression. There is spirits of slumber, real slumber. And a lot of people have it. A lot of people, especially in the church, have it. I'll tell you why. Because there are a lot of people, young people or older people who can sit up till 2 in the morning and watch TV or their favorite program. But they will sit 10 minutes before the Bible and fall asleep. And it's not natural. It simply is not natural. Yes. And if they listen to the word of God, 5 minutes later they are not able to concentrate, they are not able to tune off, they fall asleep. And it is a spirit. You have to rebuke it consistently and crucify your flesh. These are spirits. So you need to realize there are spirits work in gangs too. They work in gangs too. Okay, they are, they work in groups. They will come pride, rebellion, witchcraft, fear, rejection, resentment. Hmm. They all work together. Resentment, unforgiveness, anger, hatred, violence, final stages, murder. And you can be murderous in your heart and still be guilty before God. Okay, they work in group, gangs. So you will see depression, homosexuality, loneliness, rejection, orphan spirit, homosexuality, uh, sexual abuse that could have taken place when you were young, and uh, abortion has led to violence, to an unborn baby. All these things has come in through. Okay? So if you say many of these cases, I don't know your child, many of your cases, like, you know, usually when a boy becomes tense towards gay, Becoming gay, unless it ultimately becomes actively gay, you will see that. Usually this happens in families where he was, as a young boy, he was molested by a cousin or an uncle or somebody like that. Or a girl, it could be uh, another older girl or a woman. It runs. This pattern runs. Okay, remember the problem. I hope our little children are not listening. Parents, I hope the children are not listening. You need to realize little girls or little boys uh, can be violated. 
and they feel the emotions the pleasure associated with without, without even realizing what, what it, is. it is yes okay that's why you always tell when you uh, raise your children teach them to drink uh, milk without sugar it's an incredibly healthy habit because sugar is very damaging for your body the problem is to make it easy not on the child for on us we add sugar and after that if it is not sweet they will not have it but milk should be drunk without sugar but the child does not know what sweet is until we teach it in the same way all these things are there mothers i'm hope i'm hoping you are watching you're watching and and the children are not watching so i have to because extreme situations happen because we were negligent when we were parents i'm telling you mothers and uh, fathers when your children are small when you have small girls small boys you have to be very very careful if you see them rubbing against themselves you know what i mean be very very careful okay and also when you give them toys to sleep with see that toy is a very very soft toy and not a hard toy because sometimes when you give them a harder toy you will see some of the kids rock themselves on them with their pelvic area and go to sleep and the reason is that they are sensing something they should never be open to so please i'm talking you as a father and i believe as a grandfather don't don't have grandchildren i have a lot of grand spiritual grandchildren and god doesn't have spiritual grandchildren but i have mm. so excuse me okay, so i'm telling you please be careful about these things because once that door is opened that's one door that should not be opened before marriage it leads to all kinds of things happening so protect your children so this dear sister also could have come through that that's how she went into lesbian tendencies parents in india she cannot talk about this where you need help and they do not realize then they the pastor who are counseled you should have first delivered you before allowing you to get married I'm sorry it shouldn't have gone that way and now you are caught in a situation with all this in your body married to a man naturally if you're a lesbian you will hate a man hate a man touching you but remember uh, what is happening to you within the what god has created is unnatural your reaction is not natural so my first thing is that go before god go before god repent before god of course i don't even want to talk about discuss your marriage here because your marriage is not the issue marriage will break up definitely it will break up there's no there's no way you can continue in this marriage unless you have deliverance and your husband has deliverance okay because it's a total mess it's a total mess and uh, so you need deliverance and you will need deliverance at different levels there are so many things in your mind your soul part of you and into your body that is and uh, good the best part of it is god sets you free mm. everything as long as you identify it and acknowledge it by what god says it and not what psychology or psychiatry the entire hollywood video movie industry mainstream media everything is trying to uh, they you know they give you nice names mm-hmm. by saying as it's an alternate lifestyle no honey it's not an alternate lifestyle it's a lifestyle if you practice it and if you die as a practicing lesbian or a gay person you will go to hell it's absolutely clearly over and over written in the bible you will go you will go 
If you are a practice, you can struggle with those tendencies in your head and never manifest in your bodies. You are still safe. I met people. I counseled them. I said, fight it. God will deliver you out of it. You go into that practicing level of it. That's when the danger comes. Before that happens, allow God to work deliverance in you and you can come out and you can be normal. Now, many, many nations, including Canada and all, have banned any kind of ministry or anything that will try to treat homosexuality by saying that it is an alternate lifestyle. So remember, time is running out for people of this. But we will still speak about it honestly. Not that we condemn you. I'm not. We are not mad at you. Uh, but we need to realize Sodom and Gomorrah was burned down because of aggressive and homosexuality became aggressive. And what you see in the West is homosexuality has become aggressive. Yes, very, very aggressive they have become. Because you need to realize they operate in gangs. The spirit of homosexuality and the spirit of violence, violence. comes together. So you will see in your life the violence coming from your husband and your attitude in your letter, violence, anger towards your husband and the violence you perpetuated on an unborn child, you will see they come together, come together. So you need deliverance and I pray to God that you will be delivered. Write to me if you get my email ID, write to me. What I will do is that I'll help you through this. I will record and send you prayers. So that's what I do with people around the world all those people who are struggling, I record prayers and I send it to them and say, you know, some, but if there is somebody you believe you can trust and meet and get prayed over, but you have to make this decision first. And one of the first things of deliverance is identify it and call it by its name. Acknowledge it is a sin before God. Don't whitewash it. If you whitewash it, then there is no deliverance. And the entire world system whitewashes it. So I'm also telling all the parents of small children, girls, boys, whatever they are, watch over them, keep away. Don't get paranoid. Please don't get paranoid about Don't get paranoid and cause them to feel that in thing that sex is a bad thing. No, sex is a holy thing. Sex is not a bad thing. It is the devil who made it bad. God did not ever make sex bad. He created sex. Everything God has created, the devil perverts it. Okay, please understand. The devil perverts it. So, we don't go with the devil. We go with God. So, don't be paranoid with your children. If you see something happening, just say, no, that's not nice. Okay, don't do it again. And just don't make them feel they are evil and something that... It is, you don't do that. Because then wrong ideas get in and then they hide it from you and all can protect, protect children. Lord of lives, millions in eternity, we will realize how many millions of lives, billions probably was destroyed by this one thing. More than anything else, sexual abuse. This one thing has destroyed billions of lives. And that's how it begins. It begins as an abuse by an older brother, cousin, uncle, with a little girl or a little boy, you know, and then, and it's very prevalent everywhere, even in India. Very, very prevalent. People do not, because it's all hidden under the carpet. Everywhere in the world, it's very, very prevalent. So, protect your children, pray over your children every time, plead the blood of Jesus. We gave you on Sunday, plead the blood, and you, dear sister, no, we love you. 
we are there for you, but accept it as it is, go through deliverance, come out, and then ask God to help you through. And before I close, I have, I wanna read two things to all the, like I always accept the wives often get a raw deal than men in a marriage, especially because, you no, know, physically the man is stronger. Simply because of the physically the man is stronger and in many countries you do not have appropriate protection and even if there, they do not opt for it. Do you, which, which nation do you think is where maximum reported crime against women takes place? US. Italy. Oh my goodness. That's my understanding. Wife abuse. Can you believe it? Okay. So all these laws don't work. Most wives will not report. If your husband beats you, she will not go to the cops. She will not go. A lot of them suffer silently, quietly. Okay. So please understand that. So it is understood. So, but, okay. One thing I want to go to Romans chapter. This is connected purely with family. Okay. Romans chapter can't remember it. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. 12, 3. Got it? For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Did you get it? Hmm. Got it? Okay. Also, please give me 1 Corinthians 10.30. These two verses, my dear sisters all around the world and brothers too, please mark it this. No temptation. Put it across. Temptation here also means trial, testing. 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 No testing has overtaken you except such is, as is common to man. So we are talking about sexual abuse, violence in marriage. It's very common. Okay. From the day Abel was killed by Cain. This violence has started in families. Further down, Lamech kills, right? Yes, Another yes, younger man. So it's been going on murder, for 6,000 years. Okay, murder, violence, everything. But God is faithful. You will not, he who will not allow you to be tempted or tested beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, test will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear, bear it. it. Meaning, First, be a child of God and cry out to your father. The promise is very clearly because for everything you need to have a promise to stand on. Remember, Second Peter chapter one three, through these exceedingly great promises, we escape. Mm. You have to have a promise by which your faith comes in. Okay, so God has promised something; He will also make a way for you to come through. Now, go back to Romans twelve three. That is what I want to look at. Even when I am counseling, this is a this is not the way I counsel in my church where I counsel people face to face. But here, I do not know you. So I'm telling you there is something. First thing you need to think is don't think more highly than you ought to. It means each one needs to know their spiritual level. Hmm. No? Spiritual level. Now, doctors will tell you, like let's say simple take, let's say uh, fever and Tylenol. To us, they will say, take two tablets. To a child who's 10 years, will you give them two tablets? No. no. To a child who's three years old, will you give Tylenol? No. no. They'll give you the syrup. Okay? Meaning, each one is given the medicine only according to their capacity to take it. 
So first thing is that we are giving you a general prescription. But I don't know your spiritual state. Spiritual state. So you need to know even in these things which you are, we are giving you has godly scriptural solutions, meaning separation, okay, or hang in there, trust God, okay, best case scenario, worst case scenario. If it was one on on one, then we would be able to look at the whole both situation and say, okay, this is what you need to go through. But in this case, I'm saying you need to because God has dealt to everyone a measure of faith. I don't know your faith. I only know my faith. My faith. So I know my faith and I know what I can handle and I know what I cannot handle. Okay? What I cannot handle. So please remember. Yet, I would say don't remain in your measure of faith. Continue to grow in your faith because the key to every problem in this life is faith. It is by faith we overcome the world. All these problems are connected with the world. It is by faith we overcome the world because through faith we receive the grace of God. The grace of God enables you to overcome. So let me give you two real life examples of unbelievable faith. Okay, this is from Richard Wombrand's ministry. There was a girl who was brought up on stories of brave missionaries who worked among savages to bring them to Christ, but who were eaten by cannibals. This girl read up. You know, a lot of children read all these missionary stories, men, boys, I want to be like that when I grow up. So her prayer during her childhood was always, Lord, help me to become such a missionary. It was her dream to sacrifice herself for the worst of humanity, to bring them to the Lord. In time, you grow up, <laughs> the dreams also fade. So after that, her prayer was, Lord, give me a good husband. And her prayer was answered. She was married. For six weeks, she was happy with her husband. Then came the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. Then came the Jap- uh, U.S. entered the war. Her husband was drafted into the army, was away from for for three years. But when he came back home, it was not the same man was no longer the loving, kind man. Alcoholic, details all are not given. And she's upset, she's broken, everything. So one evening he came drunk without one good word for her. He fell asleep on the couch. She went to another room with tears. She prayed, God, change my husband, please. God's reply came. Why should I change him? And not you. But she said, but there's nothing to be changed in me. He said, yeah. Didn't you pray to me all the days of you when you were growing up? You you prayed a prayer, right? I said, there is a misunderstanding here. I always listen to prayers. You said you wanted to be a missionary among cannibals. (laughs) But the problem is there are no cannibals left now. Most savages have become civilized. So, to answer your prayer... I sent a cannibal, a savage home. Now this is your task. Be a missionary to him. Win him for the kingdom. She went back into the other room, looked at her cannibal, fell in love with him again, and she decided her life's task was to bring him to the Lord and make him a child of God and a loving husband. Said it took a long, long time. She never gave up. I mean, this particular thing was written. They both are in their 90s. 
and every day he brings her a flower to show his gratitude to her for bringing him to the Lord. And that's your ministry in this case. Now tell me this question. Will she get a reward in heaven? Oh yeah, sure. Right? Will she get a reward in heaven? So you have to look at all these. So I'm talking about this. That's why I put this first there. These are incredible miracles God has worked in countless families. But according to your faith. God, in your case, which was read just now and the yesterday and all, no? Yesterday, two cases, today, and there are so many. What I tell you is according to the faith. Go to God, repent first, get delivered. Those demons, try with yourself. I command every unclean spirit to leave my body and my mind in Jesus' name. And every thought that sanctions homosexuality. Can, can we, can we go to the end of Romans 1, which is something which we need to understand? Romans chapter 1, which verse would it be, Pastor Vijay? Let, let me get it for you. Yeah, the end of Romans chapter 1. Okay, that, that is the end? 32, 32, 32. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God and that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Verse 32 is written for the Department of Humanities. That is from where all these theories that come, we justify these young people and all the people who go into that lifestyle. Remember, God made man in his image and God is truth. As I close, this is closing statement. Okay? Closing statement. God made man in his image and God is truth. So God is truth. Man has that image and the problem is after man fell, he still has to live by truth. He cannot live without truth. Mm. So what happens is that he will create a truth for himself, which is a lie, but that is truth for him to justify his actions. Understand? So that's what the Department of Humanities and all these departments do around the world. They create these theories, homosexual theories, lesbian theories, gender theories, everything. Why? Because you have to justify a lifestyle, otherwise you will die of guilt. Die of guilt. So worse than the practicing lesbian is the theorists sitting in the universities. They may not even actually practice. Yes. Some of them may not even actually be practicing lesbians or homosexual. But they are demonic more than this. Because forget their bodies, their minds have been taken over by demonic. And they bring forth these theories which destroy millions of people. Imagine I don't kill a single person. But I come up with a theory which justifies murder. Mm. And which results in a million murders a year. Because people look at that and they realize, hey, murder is okay. It's good. Murder is fine. Okay, murder. That's how the communist regimes and all kill millions of people because the ideology allows it. The end justifies the means that is communism. That is what the young people in America wants in socialism. And they have no clue what they are asking for America. Cortez and all these people who are heroines for the young generation. They do not know socialism is only communism with a nice makeup. It's the same thing. Socialism and uh, communism and Marxism are all twins. And they have no real... Let me tell you, I'm speaking to you as a person who is from Kerala, the state in India. The first place in the entire universe 
where a communist regime came through the ballot box. Mm. Every other nation, it has come through the bullet. Only country where communist party came into power in 1956 was in my state. And I had students, my own classmates who were all part of that memory. And most of them were in grief and in sorrow because they said, our life is gone. We have got in, we can never get out. Once you are a party member, one of the first things they told me, one young man in my MA class had 21 cases against him. He was a fugitive, always running from place to place. And I told him, how did he become like this? He said, when we enter into the party and we become a school student, one of the first things they will make us do is go in for strikes and damage public property so that cases are against you. Once cases are against you, you can never come out as long as you belong to them. If you belong to them, they will allow, help you with the case because they will come into power. If you go against them, they will use the same case against you and put you behind bars. You are It's like the FM thing. I'm telling you what Marxism does and communism does and socialism does and humanism does and all these are profs sitting in these universities and their study clubs and they are destroying generation after generation of people. So first young lady, get this thing right. Replace these ideas with the truth of God. It is an abomination to God. Not you. Not you. Not you. Like I said yesterday, God hates divorce. But one of the first things the Son of God did, his father told him to was go to a five-time divorced woman and restore her. Okay, please get it right. God hates divorce. He loves all people. Mm. So he loves homosexuals and lesbians and gay. He wants to set them free. But get it right here. Otherwise, you will go back. You have to replace every lie of the enemy with the truth. This is an abomination. It is a perversion. I was not born that way. I was not created that way. I was not. I was fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. I am not that. And replace it that. And my father in heaven hates it. He does not like that practice. Once your head is right, then you are not giving what we call it uh, legitimate, legitimate grounds for the demons to stay. Okay, then you repent, you renounce all your practices, everything that you read, heard, repent of all it, cut all ties with that, and then you will see deliverance will work. And you will have to fight it. Before you know, you will be fine. And then I believe God will may touch your husband and restore your marriage too. That I do not know. That's a different case scenario altogether. But today... Finally, my message is to you and all the others who are struggling with these tendencies. Please don't go that way. And watch over your little children. Amen? Amen. And let us pray. Father, once again, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you. We thank you for all these dear ones, Lord. You love every one of them. And you died for every one of them. The blood of Jesus was shed for the remission of all sins. Every kind of sin. Smallest to the biggest. Every sin. If anyone repents and calls upon the name of Jesus, he or she will be saved and set free. This is what your word says, O Lord. For this purpose the Son of Man came that he might destroy the works of the devil. Today, Father, even as we are here and we pray, I also take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. 
I bind every power of darkness operating over these dear ones. I come against that spirit of homosexuality in the lives of people, especially this dear sister. I don't even know her name. I bind it in Jesus' name. And I command that spirit to leave in Jesus' name. Every unclean spirit has to leave in Jesus' name. My spirit of violence to leave that home in Jesus' name. I plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over this child, Lord. And every other one who is there before their TVs, their computers, listening, struggling with same issues, I pray, Lord, they will too will make a confession and they will plead the blood and I rebuke every demonic entity operating in their mind or in their body. I command it to leave in Jesus' name. For whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I speak your peace into everyone who's, who is listening, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that they will wait upon you every day. They will meditate upon your way, word day and night. They will spend time in your presence because your word says those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, O Lord. They will not weak. They will be strong. They shall mount up like eagles, O Lord. Everyone, day by day, Lord, their, their soul will not have leanness, but in their soul, the strength of the Lord will increase each day, Lord. And they will experience the deliverance more and more and more deliverance each day they will experience, O oh Lord. As the, as the demonic influence starts leaving and the power of the Holy Spirit is flooding into their soul and into their body, I pray they will experience a true revival and a renewal in their lives, in their homes, in their families. And whichever church they go to, I pray they will take that revival into those churches too, Lord, when this lockdown is open. Over our Father. Please, once again, I bring everyone, Lord, before thee. Lay your hands upon them, Lord. Bless them and keep them, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.